Welcome to the Conversations with Jesus podcast. I'm Johnny Lehman, a baptized man of God who has the amazing blessings of being a husband, father, and the pastor at Divine Savior Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. This podcast is designed to bring you the self-sacrificing love of Jesus found in the Bible through 15 to 20 minute episodes that focus on relevant life issues and what God has to say about them. Check out our website, DivineSaviorChurch.com, as well as our Facebook and Instagram pages if you'd like to find out more about the incredible things that God is doing through our church family. I'm so excited to continue our podcast series called Race to the Cross with you. We just got it started last week as we explore the Gospel of Mark and see Jesus' determination to save you and me, to save the world by his death on the cross, and of course, his resurrection on Easter Sunday. And what we talked about a little bit last week is how the Gospel of Mark really places you in real time. This book is designed to bring you into the scene and for you to really imagine and think about how you would have reacted if you would see Jesus in action right before your very eyes. And today, we're going to talk about how just amazing Jesus is. Now again, think about a race, this metaphor we're going to be living in the next few weeks. Some athletes are simply incredible, right? And when they compete, you can't help but stare in awe and wonder at the strength. They exert the focus on their tasks, the abilities with which they've been been gifted, been blessed with, and what they're able to accomplish. And when you see something like that, it tells you something about their origin, their work ethic, their determination, and you wonder what drives them so hard. Now, take that and multiply it by infinity because you can't help but stare in awe and wonder at Jesus' miraculous power. It's amazing. And he's determined to use that amazing power to help people in need. And he shows his determination to continue to help people with their greatest need. And that's what we're going to be looking at, especially as we go into Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 45. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet, the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the good news, the gospel of our Savior Jesus. There was a dark time in my life when I consumed inspirational YouTube videos like Popeye consuming spinach. 
Now, if you've ever seen these videos, they contain carefully selected motivational speeches or movie scenes spoken with a backdrop of epic music. And so I'd get that bolt of inspiration. I'd keep wanting more. It's kind of embarrassing how many hours I spent watching them. But there is one in particular that I would go back to time and again. My favorite scene from Rocky VI or Rocky Balboa, when he's talking to his son. And to be honest with you, there's a part of me that really wants to say this with my best Sylvester Stallone accent, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spare you that atrocity. I don't think you'd want to hear that. But here's the quote. Now, this is Rocky talking to his son. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you've got to be willing to take the hit and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you are because of him or her or anybody. Now, what Rocky is saying to his son is what psychologists would call limiting beliefs. The beliefs that people have that limit themselves. So this would be saying things like, I could never do that, or I can't move on, or this is how I'll always be. In other words, in your self-talk, limiting beliefs would be holding you back from accomplishing what you're capable of. Now, as interesting as it may be to dive into that, our problem with limiting beliefs isn't limiting ourselves. In fact, maybe you can guess what it is. Our biggest problem is how we limit Jesus. Now, when it comes to your and my deepest needs, hurts, and pains in life, do you and I have limiting beliefs about Jesus, what he's capable of, the amazing, compassionate, and committed God that he is? So for starters, are you limiting Jesus and how he identifies you? Now, you've probably picked up over the course, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, we've had a lot of conversations about identity. Because I see something in myself and in so many Christians in my life, what author Paul David Tripp calls identity amnesia. We so often forget who we are in Jesus. That's the problem with sin. It limits how Jesus identifies us to how we want him to identify us. And we see it live in action with the disciples here in Mark chapter 1. And right before these verses that we're really diving into, the disciples, they're riding the wave of Jesus' popularity. His preaching is authoritative. He captures people's attention. His healing makes it abundantly clear this guy is a different breed. And they had to have been thinking, hey, we're associated with Jesus, a life of luxury, power, honor. It's all coming our way. Can you begin to see how they were limiting Jesus to gain the identity they wanted? So here Jesus is, the height of fame and celebrity status, and you know what he does? Classic Mark right here, by the way. Jesus doing something. In fact, not just in Mark, but throughout the Gospels. Jesus will do things that you would never anticipate. So here he is, height of luxury, height of power, not luxury, but height of popularity and cultural icon status. What does he do? He goes away by himself. He tells no one where he's going. Look at what Mark tells us. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And the disciples get ticked. I mean, you can just hear it in their voices. Everyone is looking for you. Jesus, why are you running away from this amazing life of influence? We have to admit, such a life, it's pretty attractive. I mean, who wouldn't want to have social media singing their praises? Who wouldn't want the satisfaction of people admiring personal success? Who doesn't like to hear, I wish I were you? Or, as Michael Scott from The Office puts it, I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. 
You begin to see how the disciples and you and me, how we have the limiting belief of identity amnesia. Think about this. What was Jesus communicating by going by himself to be in the audience of his heavenly father? He's saying this. This relationship is by far the most important. People need to know who I really am. Not limit me to a miracle worker to be used for their ends or a cultural icon status giver. And so Jesus, point blank, he tells us why he came. What does he say here in Mark? Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And then Mark goes on to say, So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. What two things did Jesus primarily come to do? Of course, die on the cross and rise, but during his earthly ministry, what are the two biggest things? He came primarily to preach the life-changing gospel and to reverse the effects of evil. Have you ever considered that's why Jesus came into your life too? Have you ever thought about that? Why he made a home in your heart through faith? Jesus is about giving you an identity so much better than millions of people chanting your name. An identity that's not bound to people-pleasing and emotion-capturing. An identity given to you by his death and resurrection. So in this life and the one to come, you can have an audience with the God of the universe. It's why he preaches to you through his word even now. It's why by his grace he continues to reverse the effects of sin and death until we are truly like him in every way in that next place too wonderful for words. See, popularity and acclaim aren't enough for his amazing love. Rather, a peace that steadies you. A life you can truly live in joy. In fact, I can think of no better way to describe the peace, the identity peace Jesus gives you. Then the purported final words of President Andrew Jackson, who said, My dear children, do not grieve me. I am my God's. I belong to him. That's the purest of identities you could have. Jesus wants you to remember the identity his blood has given you, especially when you feel like you're losing more than you're gaining in life. Those moments when you wish you could go back in time and have the life you long for. And this is where our second Limiting belief of Jesus comes in. Here it is. Are you limiting Jesus in how he can provide for your deepest needs? And between you and me, I've, I've seen such limiting beliefs in my own heart. In fact, right now, and a lot lately, if I'm being completely transparent with you, there have been moments where I'm sitting in the stillness of my office, and there are times where I just feel like a lost sheep. Wanting the joy belonging to Jesus to remove that heartache, fill that void. But sometimes it, I can't help but still feel empty. And maybe, just maybe that's where you're at too. Still mentally whispering, are you really there, Jesus? See, you and I so often put limiting beliefs on how Jesus can perfectly provide for us. You ready to see that in action? Well, check out the man with leprosy here in Mark 1. So this leprous man, he thought he knew what he needed. He had heard of Jesus' miracle working and he was convinced if his life returned to normal, he'd be just fine. His thought being, if you're willing, Jesus, just do this for me like I want you to and I'll take it from there. Understandably, he felt like that. Totally understandable. Social distancing was the story of most of this man's life. In fact, by law, both Jewish and internationally, if you had a skin disease like leprosy, you had to stay at least six feet away from any human being. You had to stay in camps outside towns. You couldn't see your family. It sounds pretty harsh, right? 
but this is how people saw sufferers of leprosy. In fact, just listen to what the scholars of the Jewish study Bible uncovered. Leprosy was equated to the gradual escape of life. The person afflicted with it was looked upon as potentially dead, death itself having begun to consume his body, the leakage of life. Now that's pretty graphic. So think about this. That man is going through that debilitating skin disease, and this man does something bold. He doesn't step away from Jesus. He approaches Jesus. And then Jesus, in turn, does something even more outrageous. What does it say? Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. Jesus has angry compassion. He's beyond mere anger for how the effects of sin have ravaged this man's life. He's compassionate not only for his physical condition, but the heart behind it longing for acceptance, belonging, and connection. And so what does he do? He touches this man. The first time in years that anyone had given him even that little bit of closeness, it's a touching scene. Sorry, that it was just the pun present, presented itself and I, <laughs> I had to take it. But then notice what Jesus says next after this really amazing touch. He says, I am willing. Be clean. Immediately, the slow death of a disease instantly goes away. How amazing is that? But then Jesus, he does something that raises our eyebrows. He makes us uncomfortable. He doesn't wrap the man up in a hug. He sends him away. What does Mark tell us? Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. This strong warning was a scathing rebuke. He's not only angry about what sin has done to this man, but he's angry about how this man had interacted with him. Of course, we can't help but ask why it's this. He didn't want the man to limit him as just a miracle worker to be used to create the life he wanted for himself. He wanted him to marvel and share that Jesus is the God of unlimited restoration, the God who came to make all things new. Jesus came to take on our degradation, our death and decay, and in his place, give us righteousness, joy, and life. The joyous, great exchange. And yet, for being real, this is where we're convicted too, aren't we? Be honest, have you not felt that way? Something has been taken from you and you're convinced that if you have that back, your life would be full. You may not have the nerve to say it for anyone to hear, but do you think to yourself, God, if you took away this expense, if you wouldn't have taken him or her from me, if you would give me fill in the blank, then I would finally know without any doubt that you get me and how to provide for my deepest needs. But just pause with me for a second. Think about what you're asking for. If God was merely about giving you what you think the best life would be and not what in reality is the best life eternally he knows and has for you, what kind of love would that, would that be? If Jesus was merely your cosmic Santa giving you all that you wanted but not what in actuality you needed, your life and mine would end in nothingness. We limit Jesus in that we think we know the best conditions of life for us would give us the ultimate joy when in reality, he alone knows how to best heal us and restore us. And this is precisely where his compassion shines through any and every shadow of life's bleakness. When you feel like an outsider, much like this leprous man did, remember, 
Remember the one who, after he gives this man insider status back into this, his community and his family. What does Mark tell us? As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Jesus experienced and endured all of our lonely places. He knows those voids in your heart. He knows you're aching for your deepest needs to be provided for. He knows them so well that he knew exactly what it would take to fill that void. His life for yours on the cross. He loves you so much he was and always is willing to love you as you need to be loved. It isn't enough for Jesus to simply give you the good life, however you want to construct that in your mind. He wants to give you real life. And he did that by going to the lonely place of the cross, experiencing the eternal loneliness of being ripped away from God. So he has the fullness. So he could have the fullness of making you his own. See, Jesus will never be limited. Not even death could contain him. He has always been about the unlimited unworking of Satan's sabotage, both in the universe and especially in your own life. Just think about this. If Jesus was willing to give up everything to satisfy your and my deepest need that has forever ramifications, do you really think he isn't still willing to love you exactly as you need to be loved? If Jesus could accomplish salvation for you, do you really think he can't handle that relationship loss you're dealing with? The grief you wrestle with every day, the limitations you wish you could undo, he will. But perhaps not in the ways you anticipate. And that right there is the best part. When we live knowing the unlimited power of Jesus, driven by his all-inclusive compassion, we seek him above all else. When we bank everything, everything we are, everything we have on God's limitless grace, we're joyfully willing to trust Jesus in everything. We travel through lonely places because we know such places bring us closer to him. We process past trauma and loss because he, in his amazing grace, will make everything right again. We endure disappointment. Not letting Satan get a word in edgewise because we live in the limitless compassion of Jesus. We don't long for a normal life or an easy life. That's not enough for you, dear child of God. What you and I long for is the life he's also willing to give. A life no tragedy can snatch, no hardship can dim. We're committed to him because we know how committed he is to us. In fact, this Sunday, I'm, I'm so excited. We get to welcome a bunch of new members in our church family and it's just thrilling to see how God's grace changes hearts and how it leads us to want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, to spread the only message that goes beyond this life. See, we rejoice in God's compassionate commitment to us, a commitment that not even death can break. And it's that very truth that a dear friend of mine, and he's a member of our church family, his name's Tim Miller, he's now experiencing that joy to the full. When I stepped into his room on Tuesday, surrounded by his family, the very day Jesus would take him by the hand to his true home, it was also clear. See, for months, Tim had talked about how he was ready for Jesus, and he knew Jesus wouldn't fail him. I heard God's compassion and unlimited, unlimited grace spoken by those who loved him most. That unbreakable hope we have in our God. It's what our limitless Jesus has long done when he identifies you and he provides for you. He never fails. Amen. God's richest blessings as you 
live in that amazing grace of our God. And on a personal note, keep the Miller family in your prayers wherever you are around the world that you carry. Um, you carry our brothers and sisters in Christ, even in prayer, the best way to do it. As we rejoice that Tim is in his heavenly home, and yet we pray for healing as grief tends to last. But in all these things, we know that God works for the good of those who love us. And in the end, God's family will be all together in a place where goodbye doesn't exist. God's richest blessings do live for him now and always. Mm-hmm.